Welcome to Armchair Preaching, a podcast of the First Presbyterian Church in Lakeland, Florida. This is a podcast about God's Word, the beauty of the gospel, and what it takes to communicate that truth to others. I'm your host, Pastor Zach McGowan, and on today's episode, Pastor John and I talk about how our perceptions of the preaching ministry have changed over the years, and we discuss the final week in our series entitled Restored. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Welcome back, everybody, to Armchair Preaching, back with Pastor John. Hello, Hello Pastor everybody. John. We are in the second full week in the month of May in 2023, yep. um, last week in uh, a series. So it's always fun to close out a series, even uh, more interesting to close out a series on a holiday, non-religious holiday, but yeah. kind of got... Started, started on Easter, closed on Mother's Day. Yeah, start. that's right, we did. We started on Easter and closed on Mother's Day. Um, so it was a fun Sunday, a fun Sunday all the way around. I think um, all, all the services, we had we had good time. And, yeah. and uh, But I wanted to talk... Busy, busy in the uh, in Vine. You had, uh, very you had busy. There's a lot of water shed in, very in, in Vine. Very busy. Yeah, and I, I'm the kind that I... I really get my baptizees wet. I don't let them. Yeah, not a little. Not you're a little, closet Baptist. I, you are. I'm like, man, if we're not dunking you, we're gonna really, <laughs> we're gonna really get you. Um, but I wanted to back up a little bit and talk. We, we you know, we. I want to talk about big picture preaching stuff mm. for for a second. Um, one of the things we do in this opening segment is to talk about some of our general views on preaching, whether it's related to a specific uh, aspect of the previous week's messages, or it's just a general topic uh, of preaching itself. And I kind of want to talk about something more general, yeah. which is you've been preaching uh, for 25 years. Right. Um, I have been preaching about the same. My first my, my first preaching experience was at 17 years old, and I've been pretty much, uh, not every week, but a pretty regular cadence multiple times a year since 17. Uh, but we're different people than we were 25 years ago. Yeah. Um, we're different people. Uh, Pastors were, were different. Ministry, I wasn't even really a believer when I first started preaching. <laughs> so, well, there's that. <laughs> so, so very much, a, uh, very much a John Wesley type of uh, a story. Because uh, same thing with John Wesley. John Wesley was doing ministry for years before he felt his heart strangely warmed. Um, but I wonder uh, how have you? How has your perception of preaching evolved over the years? Whether it's in yourself or in you know, just the, the the whole concept of the preaching ministry, it, its place in the church, its place in, in kind of the Christian uh, kind of, uh, you know, culture, um, and, and, you know, even things that maybe haven't changed or mm. maybe even become more solidified. Uh, how, how has that evolved yeah. for you um, over that time? Well, I think the, you know, we, we, we are drilled, this is drilled into us in seminary that the preaching moment is, you know, we are, we are our tradition is part of the evangelical strain of of christianity you know, stream of christianity and it's uh, which means it's word centered not yeah. evangelical like go out and yell at people on the streets but evangelical as in word centered and yeah. so our our tradition has been uh it, it was drilled into you and me i'm sure in, in seminary that that it is about the word uh, rightly read rightly proclaimed and so the centrality of it and the, just the the thought of it that is that has that hasn't changed but um, and I think maybe the perception. This is maybe more of an internal answer to the to the question. But the perception was there's a lot of pressure on the preacher. Yeah. 
in the early days, I felt a lot of pressure, and 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 oftentimes I would come, I would express that sense of pressure to get it right. First off, I expressed it in one way. I didn't want to leave seminary because what if I go out and say something wrong and I'm, you know, I'm going to send people to their eternal demise if I do that. That was the kind of that was one 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 thing. And then the other one's just like I got it. I have got to get it right. And so yeah. I, I would say I've encountered the. This is a Saturday, typical Saturday night in the first five years of ministry. I've encountered the living Word of God, and I have come up with drivel to prepare. <laughs> to go deliver on a sermon for the next day. And so it's just so there was such anxiety and, and now I realize that you know I am I am well studied. I've I've read these passages a lot. I've I've and I've I've learned these I've read the you know, the Bible you know, dozens of times by now and and studied, you know, I I don't know if I've studied every single verse of the of the Bible, but I I I'm, I'm pretty far into that and I'm comfortable with with my scholarship and with my mm-hmm. understanding of it. And so I realize now that I can come to a passage and my job is to proclaim uh, what is there to a living congregation in a context and a, and a time. And uh, so this is probably more in the lines of what both the internal perception, how it has shifted mm-hmm. and what has stayed the same. Mm-hmm. It's still my job to to proclaim the, the as Haddon Robinson, the preaching professor once said, the big idea yeah. of whatever the passage is. But the anxiety has has greatly reduced. One of the signs you can tell of an of an early of a young preacher is they'll spend all of Sunday afternoon thinking back on their sermon mm. and they'll rehearse it and what went well and what didn't go well. Mm-hmm. And one of the signs of a more mature, you know, more seasoned preacher is that somebody will say something to us on a Sunday afternoon about what a great sermon it was, and we're thinking, what was I preached on today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, not and only meaning that we we're not dwelling on it. Like we, we have to kind of yeah. get back back to that. So, so I think that's it. That's part of it for me is that is that that the anxiety and the pressure that it's all on me has has you know, it's just terrible theology by the way it's just it's, what yeah. you, it's just a reality yeah um, but uh, that has released and I just have you know, a whole great kind of cool trust that, that that God is in this moment here so yeah yeah, yeah I, I, I you know I, I because I started preaching. Um, as a teenager, it was uh, before you know I really came to faith. So, so there was a lot more. Um, there's a lot more. Uh, there's a lot of performative kind of uh, mentality about the 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 preaching moment. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't think I felt the pressure, and this is this is probably because of where I was at. Uh, spiritually, the, the the pressure to proclaim the eternal in, eternal truths of God, it was more. Um, can I hold their attention? <laughs> right, yeah. put, put on a good show, <laughs> and and that's a really talk about terrible theology. Um, and, and yet, and then you know, pendulum swing. When I went to seminary, I went to reform seminary, so a highly expositional, highly expository. Um, you know, if your ex Jesus isn't right, you know, I mean, you're, it's, it's, there was, the pressure became different for me after seminary because mm-hmm. it was more like, more like what you're talking about. I got to get this right. And the pressure that I felt was I needed to say, if not everything that was that needed to be uh, said in the passage, yes. that I need to say most of it. Right? Yes, yes. And, and I think over the years, and I would say, which I think this would, surprise people because I still preach a fairly long sermon every once in a while. The editing has become a lot more 
important. I, I think that's the, the the editing of the sermon, the the the, the honing, the the drilling down, the the not the things I choose not to get into, which you and I talk about every single week, yeah. you know, because there are things are on the cut. If there's nothing on the cutting room floor, um, then then there, it probably hasn't been as good a message as yeah, yeah. Uh, as I think it is, you know, because I haven't. It, it, it comes across as bloated and and too confusing and and uh, and also just not not helpful. And, and and I think I one of the the things that I've really learned is to look at the pattern of Jesus teaching not just what he taught right but how he taught mm-hmm. and the way he taught i was and 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 then saying oh okay well not only is Jesus speaking truth but he's speaking it he's communicating it beautifully and he's communicating it very simply and that's that's the call that's i felt like that's more the calling of the preacher versus the 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 sunday or the sunday school teacher or the small group verse leader verse by verse and we're going to explain every single thing in here yeah and, we're just yeah. going to squeeze the lemon until we get it all out yeah. versus the preacher which is to to proclaim truth clearly simply and as you know as as in a, and, and there's nothing wrong with being compelling, right? <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Jesus did not, ha- you know, Jesus and Paul were not, you know, attracted by because they were boring people, but also not making that the big idea either, you know. Yeah. So it's that balancing act. So I think, but, tr- but truth, truth, well, well presented mm-hmm. is compelling. Yes, absolutely. Because you recognize it for what it is. You recognize mm-hmm. it for being truth, and then so well, yeah, that's I get mm-hmm. that now, and mm-hmm. so and and I love the idea of simplicity. Yeah, you. Have what you were describing and I think I did the same thing I know I did the same thing early on my first preaching assignment was in Scotland and I remember sitting down with my supervisor and he said you know I'm going to invite you back right (laughs) you get to preach again right you don't have to put put every single thing idea about the kingdom of heaven which is I remember one sermon was on the kingdom of heaven oh my gosh you don't have to put every single idea in the kingdom of he said you had six sermons in in one and you did it in in, in 30 minutes just pick one you come back you get to come back (laughs) so the simplicity of it and I like I like what you're saying is that we get to really hone in and our job is you know we are we are we are expositors and we are we're there to to bring the scripture to life we're there to say that there there is meaning behind the scripture but we're we're, we're there to also communicate that idea in a way that people can hear it and, yeah. and apply it yeah and when i've i've done a lot more i think in the last um that you know probably the last four or five years looking at how the how of what uh, of Jesus teaching and that you know looking at you know why why you know when we did the parable series a, a few months ago um that was one of the things that really you know I've read all the parables multiple multiple times I've taught them multiple times I've preached on most of them I think at this point I may have preached on all of them um but I think the 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 how of of Jesus and the why of the parable was so hmm. fascinating to me because he, he, he chooses not to just do this very uh, didactic um, this, then this, then this, then this. I mean, he tells these stories to engage people's imagination, to get them to deeper truth. And, and that to me is so um, 
that that that's not been a shift for me because I think I've always leaned into more of the storytelling. But I I'll, I will say I used to be the three points in a poem kind of guy. You know, like not ever. Not, I actually I will say I don't know that I've ever quoted a poem in a sermon right, before. Right, now, now there's your challenge. Your preaching challenge is sometime <laughs> in the not too distant well, future. Three points and you end with a poem. Unless unless you're talking about unless you're talking about funerals because funerals almost always have a poem someplace in there. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but but you know it, it was very. Um, it was it was very lectury like da, 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 mm-hmm. um, passionate but still lecture <laughs> and I think letting the stories um, breathe breathe is a good the, word in the scripture because man there's letting such... the scriptures breathe in general that's right to, oh yeah, my that, gosh that, those, that, yeah. that is a that is a good perceptive perceptive shift yeah that I've had is it like you know I'm just gonna I'm gonna plow this field really yeah. get, get to the end of it and I'm gonna know give some space to these yeah, stories and I used to I don't know man I, I used to feel really bad in a sermon or when I was and you, not when I'm not when I'm presenting it but when I'm prepping it if I and this is definitely post RTS this is definitely post RTS, and it's taken me a long time to unlearn this. Um, like, if I did a passage of scripture, and I'll give you an example from this Sunday. If I did a passage of scripture, and I didn't one read, you know, read the whole every single word in those passages, and 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 also didn't take time to explain every single weird odd thing that was in that passage then i was not doing an expo- doing proper ex- ex- expositional work oh so you had to ex- not only read it i get but to, to explain every odd yes, thing in there as yes. well yes and so it is it is an odd sensation though to leave something on the table we talk about yeah. that all the time where you know there's an oddity in here and i just didn't touch it well and this week so just you know moving into this this week's messages a little bit you know i i spent a lot of time in the hannah story yes, you, you know, did. I, I spent it's a lot a lot of time in the hannah story but you'll notice I, there are verses i just totally didn't even cover um you you mentioned them in your message but i was like just know again we've talked about this a bunch you just mentioned a second ago it's to a community at a specific time right uh I knew that in that space, if I started talking about the three-year-old bull and and all that, was that was going to deviate the the track of what the this. Now you got to spend all that time talking about. I would feel very much the impulse sa- sacrifices yes, right. and the point of the sacrifices yeah. and what what all those mean, what that meant. I f- would very much feel the impulse to spend a good two or three minutes just explaining the sacrificial system for a second, right? Yeah. And that's not the point of this week's message. It's not the point really. It, it, it's not, it's, it's, it's an important part of the, the, the passage of scripture. And if you're doing the, a, a study on that passage of scripture, then yes, absolutely mm-hmm. go into and talk about, you know, how this reveals the heart of the family that, that Hannah is involved in and her heart that she's still, you know, offering sacrifice. But I knew pff, I'm going to, that's going to derail kind of the, the point of this, which is, you know, landing on the spiritual parenthood piece, which is where we both landed. But man, I would beat myself up for that in, in previous years because mm. I'd be like, you can't leave that alone. Can't leave that alone. You got to talk about it. Yeah. And then I would hear from somebody in the, 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 the congregation, what were you talking about when you're going on about it? It didn't seem like it had anything to do. I'm like, well, you're right. It didn't for what we were saying this day. <laughs> It didn't have anything to yeah. do with what we're talking about. And again, it probably would have done it differently if I'd been in classic too, because in the classic service, I feel like there is a um, biblical literacy 
I do think that a higher biblical biblical literacy yeah. in classic. Yeah, I, I feel the same thing. And so I would read. I would probably read that in the classic and not feel the urgency to explain it. Yeah, they got this. They, 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 they kind of they, understand. They had it. a rep or two with this. Yeah. They, they, yeah. they get. You know, there's another perception piece that I that uh, as we we're talking, I was thinking about that. That uh, my perception early on was that the sermon was the. I mean, it's, it was the it was it was the main reason. It was the main deal in, yeah. the, in this. In the in the worship service, and all the other things were kind of ancillary ancillary mm-hmm. things, um, and they were just they were there. They're nice, and I enjoyed them all. But they they you know the sermon was the that's that, it that, that was the main thing, and I still think that I still think that the sermon is the kind of the center point of, of that. Although I know our our book of common worship talks or talks about the prayer is at the center of all, yeah. all this stuff. So you could argue argue that perhaps. But what I've come to appreciate and in perception ways that is that yes, it is the center, but there's this beautiful sort of buttressing mm-hmm. and supporting and, and echoing of the of what that's all about done in multiple ways through the various in the modern service through the music that's that's sung the words of the music that are sung some of the liturgy that's, that's there sacraments themselves mm-hmm. so I've really come to see see, see this, the worship experience more holistically yeah. uh, with with worship in it with the preaching in its right place but with the with this beautiful you know uh, building around uh, the preaching moment I don't know about you because I, I, I feel exactly the same way, I think that has that has been a, a somewhat of a shift for me as well too. But I don't know if you go and preach at other places, like if you're guest preaching someplace, typically the the preparatory work to build a service so that it all it all reflects the same basic you know truth being presented. You know we do that every single week here. You know we we sit down with Jennifer Voigt, Tom Ingui, Paul Sewich and and we plan out both of the services and and they know where we're going in the message and so they build out music and liturgies to mm-hmm. kind of elevate that. But when you go to a different place that hasn't been done it's a little. It feels off-putting. There's there's yeah. a disjointedness and you to don't ha- that. You don't have you don't have uh, the, the 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 larger context of the, the weeks before and what yeah. what's being planned ahead. You know, we do this. I, don't, I think everybody here who's been been listening for a while knows that when we put a series together, like we're going to start one this week, mm-hmm. there is a there's a full paragraph written there's a there's some some paragraphs that are written about what the series is about mm-hmm. and then each week there's a full paragraph with scriptures that are chosen and full you know just an ex, explaining where that sermon is going that day mm-hmm. and that allows the the uh, music leaders to make do their planning and any other liturgical elements to be planned you know the, with those things in mind yeah uh, that and we don't have any of that when, when you go into a, a, a different a, church, a different yeah. church you, don't, yeah. you don't you don't you don't necessarily have all that yeah yeah and and it and it feels it doesn't feel as or you know it doesn't feel as as whole you know yeah. um and uh yeah, and I, not, I, not to mention you don't have the relational capital absolutely. in those places that you have in your own church, and that's I mean, not we could go on and on. I think about this, but that's another perceptional shift for me too. Is that the 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 importance of the relationship building within the the sermon itself? You know, like that that I I sometimes forget that when you know you and I are preaching, we're communicating something to something to the people. Um, that we believe God has given to us, and there is 
there's something with them that is is building the relationship with us so that when we come off of the pulpit we come off of the stage and they interact with us there 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 is in their minds more there's continuity that we don't necessarily have with with those individuals yeah. uh, those individuals because they're not communicating back to us in the in the sermon but we are communicating to them and so when we get off the stage and they and the the pulpit and we begin to engage with them one to one uh, they're already midway through a conversation. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and and that's and there's some there's some relationships built there that are different. It's kind of like when people see you in publics or something, and and they recognize who you are. You may or may not know their names. <laughs> yeah, good. well, the, I'd say it this way: they the the and I did this too. As it, when I'm when I was you know before seminary, and I'm sitting in a church. I felt close to the preacher, mm-hmm. and I felt like I knew the the preacher and i felt like i knew him fairly well he's an important part of my life and he barely knew me yeah yeah in, in that case because it was a ten thousand member church yeah. he, he knew me but he, he barely he barely knew me yeah and in other churches that you know the preachers have known me better than some places mm-hmm. than in others but the it's not a balanced relationship like it is you would have with friends or with the, yeah. with, with spouse yeah that's an interesting dynamic that, yeah. that is a shift and it's different than like like if you go into another church and you're just a guest preacher or you're you know you're you know and it's different than the the relationship I have with the bible study that I lead on sunday morning it's there is this there's this very interesting dynamic and and uh and that's one of those things that you only kind of get that over time right you only kind of build that over time when you're in a place mm-hmm. and uh it does it, and it makes the sermons for that community richer when there is that recognition internally that this there this is oh, yeah. this is for this group of Gosh, people I, there, there have been days when i've i have said something and when i said and i, was, I knew i was going to say it but when i said it i happened to look out to a person yeah. And the person I knew was dealing with, or thinking about, or asking about that very thing, mm-hmm. and it's just you know you don't get that in a, in mm-hmm. every other city. But when you're in your own church with your own people, there it's it's almost I mean it's magical. Yeah. This week we closed out the uh, restored series, and we are uh, like you said we're starting a new series on Sunday. But we closed this out on Mother's Day talking about the importance of being restored Mm -hmm. to do something. Last week it was service. This week it was more centralized on the spiritual parenthood thing. And and you really landed uh, pretty – pretty heavily on the discipleship part of that, like the, the yeah. relationship between spiritual parenthood and discipleship. And uh, so I wonder if you would talk just a little bit about the the, the why behind that and, uh, you know, why this message um, fit in this sermon series for, yeah. good, for, in your good, mind. Good question. Um, yeah, it, it was an – and even servanthood, the, the, what we do as restored people is, mm-hmm. you know, that could be – it's it it can you know it can be perceived as like well, maybe that's not quite like what God's restoration is all about, but it does feel like you know yeah we we we're, we're not last week we're not saved to sit we're saved to, to serve to serve, so yeah. we're that is what restored people do and I think this idea I mean frankly if I can hit this idea of being a spiritual parent a million times it would not be enough yeah you know because I just feel like this is something that we 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 need to hear regularly mm-hmm. on, a, on a regular basis to take that seriously because I think we get it when mm-hmm. it comes to our, we both talked about it in our own 
uh, households and our own families. I think we we, we understand that, and wh- whether as a result of Sunday and listening to you, listening to you or listening to me, it makes a shift inside of homes or not. Mm-hmm. I hope it does. I mm-hmm. hope it has made that kind of shift. And you know, I really want to do this thing mm-hmm. in my home. I did have somebody tell me after. After church said, what I heard you say is that you're going to raise my children for me. <laughs> like, Which I specifically <laughs> called that out. This is not drop your your babies off at the doorstep. Uh, yes, you did. I did specifically because yes, I'm like, man, if you really take what Hannah did, like, and you said that, that's, a, that's a one-to-one, like, I'm supposed yeah. to do that very thing. Yeah. Please do not do that. But um, it, it, this is a, I mean, if we're, re- if we're living as these renewed, restored, saved people, there is, the, the, the model of Jesus is that there is an act action that is significant and I think largely ignored mm-hmm. in, in the church. You see it in, I mean, even in households, which is where you and I both sat on this this week, mm-hmm. even in households where it is the primary place for, for the transmission of the faith from one generation to another happens when you're sitting down with your children yeah. just before bed or when you're sitting in with them around the, uh, around the dinner table, wherever. It happens there and that is you know, with all the distractions and all the difficulties we have in, there, in our culture around us, it's, it, I think we're losing uh, lo- losing that, and I'm, again, if you're listening and you do it, great, fantastic. You're you're getting this, but I think a lot of people are not. I think that's the exception and not the rule. I think a lot of people are struggling with this. So if we can yeah. just call this back to 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 a reality, to be a part of reality, it's great. And then broaden it to say, yeah, that's but that's true with friends. You know, that's yeah. that same idea of what you would do in your own home with your own children. Mm-hmm. You know, a and my children are all grown. It's never too late when they're adult children. To continue. And then you've got all these other people in mm-hmm. your life as well, and you can't pour into everybody but you but to not pour into anybody is another problem yeah and i you know i i really and we both did hit on this i really um i really felt like just knowing what i've heard from families and and i've you know talking to some of our other ministry leaders here in the in the kind of the next gen ministry department is you know parents uh do not often do the work of discipleship of their children you know they right. that and and i talked about you know a lot of times we look at the primary goal of parenthood is just you know keeping our kids alive getting them a good education so they have a good job so they can be productive members of society true words i mean that's that's the high watermark and i'm like if that's the high watermark we have such a low bar because that's not really what god i mean and talk about cutting room floor thing one of the things that did not make it in the sermon is that 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 the the primary pattern of discipleship or or faith building, it, it starts in the home and then shifts to the community, and and then then there's this cycle, right? So you get you get in in, in the, the the Shema, you know, the the Deuteronomy passage, um, mm-hmm. you know, where Moses is telling the, the Israelites how great the God their God is, Hero Israel, Lord our God, the Lord is one, and then. What is the very next thing he says? You know, he says this. This is how you're communicating our faith. Is you will talk talk about it when you're going, you know, to and fro with your children. I mean, he he spits right it on your doorposts, right it on, on your heads, yeah, and that it's supposed to be something that is modeled first at home, so that the community overall is 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 you know built up and, mm-hmm. and encouraged, and then the community pours into one another which that was my real point is that you know it starts at home but if you don't have kids at home that's not you don't get you don't get an out right you find somebody else or you find you know it's it's why this sunday was so beautiful with with the baptisms because in our tradition 
and I think this is something that, if this is not the case in all traditions, I think it's so sad. But in our tradition, the importance of the baptism being done in the community yep. is so vital because the community makes a promise, make a promise to you before God that they're going to support you, that they're going to do the work of spiritual parenthood, mm-hmm. whether you're an adult or whether you're a child. And I, the sermon actually continued into the sacrament because I kept bringing that point up in the sacrament because that was so that's so important starts at home but the community is also got to take it seriously to be to be for one another raising one another you know i talked to, i told stories about greg odgen and and in his book in his book transforming discipleship he talks about the discipleship um, deficit mm-hmm. and and why there's such a malaise when it comes to uh, to, to discipleship and he, and he describes that that uh, all you know we try to do discipleship but with programs and we 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 don't really think that it's an important part of our uh, part of mm-hmm. our job we don't we just have this perception of it and he's just on the whole thing is trying to restore back to it look at what Jesus was doing yeah I mean he had a huge ministry Jesus came to to you know, for the sins of the world mm-hmm. And his ministry was focused on a few people. Yeah, the way he says it, that he had a big enough vision to think small, mm. and is focused on just a, just a few people. And he said that that's the model that we've been given. We mm. just we don't have to. It's not complicated. Talking mm-hmm. about simplicity, keep mm-hmm. it simple. It's not complicated. He's given us a basic model. We just need to do it. And I don't think we've got it. I don't think we the collective way. And, I, and I, I'm, again, there's lots of exceptions to this, but I think generally we don't have it. Um, in our heads that that is a priority for for us to pour into another person because we care about that other person we want the very best and we are obedient to what God is asking us to do which is to transmit this faith you know the mm-hmm. psalmist says from one generation to another mm-hmm. um, uh, well and you you mentioned one of the reasons one of the big reasons I think people don't do it you you mentioned it in your sermon you, you I you didn't you didn't present it as this is the reason most people don't do it, but I do think it is, and that's because it's it's slow, it's hard, and it's hard, right? And we are not in a cultural mindset of enjoying anything. Yeah, we're, that's, we're in a microwave, fast, fast, fast. Yeah, make, make, I, that's, I've said this several times. Just to say it again, so you and I and everyone listening here will will hear it again. To be to, to have disciple making as a top priority of your church, which we have made a top priority mm-hmm. of our church, it is it's really not very sexy. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not fast. Mm-hmm. It's not very glamorous. It's it's in the trenches, sitting down. Look at Jesus. It's it's Jesus sitting. It's, it's Eric and, and Greg. The mm-hmm. story I told. It's Jesus sitting with his disciples, walking down the road, saying, "This is what's true. This is the truth, and that yeah. is not the truth." You know, it's 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 just it's it's incremental. It's slow. It's it's unglamorous, but. But but the the upside of it is that when you know, when you do that you have you know eleven men eventually twelfth replaced Judas who who changed the world yeah you know yeah. you have you have people who have impact I call it generational impact it is generational impact and I have a great interest in I think you and I both have a great mm-hmm. interest in not just that we have a flash in the pan right now but that our great great grandchildren mm-hmm. will will be on fire for the Lord and yeah. they'll be they'll love the Lord why why would that ever happen mm-hmm. it's because we've gotten this part right well and and I think because we Again, we're both using collective we's here, but I think from a cultural standpoint, because we want that that microwave flat, you know, that's why so many churches and 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 I, you know, we've got to own where we've done this as well. Lean into program development 
that doesn't lead to relationship building, right? So it's it's come hear this speaker, come see this yeah, yeah. program, and that's that's your that's discipleship, right? That's the definition of discipleship. There's nothing wrong with the event kind of moment, um, but if that's the long and short of the entire discipleship program, it's not going to yield disciples. And I think we've done a lot better job. Yeah, that, those things are relationally neutral. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not, not relationship building, right? They're not relationally. They're, they're not. There's not a a, a a commitment of love and and presence mm-hmm. with the person beyond that moment. Yeah, they're relationally neutral in that sense. But you know, when you do something, these other things we're talking about, especially in your own homes mm-hmm. or when they're with people that you that you care about in your schools or your workplaces, you know, th- that's relationally positive. You are yeah. you are all about that relationship, and out and out of and in that relationship, you are continuing to point them to Christ. Yeah, and I think um, w- so. One of the reasons that it's difficult for people is, you know, as you mentioned, it's it, it's long, slow, it's it's difficult, and it's also messy. Can get very messy because you're dealing with actual people who are not, you know, going to have a perfect sanctification like yeah. upward trend. Yeah. They're going to fail. You're going to fail. Right? Whether, it's not straight line linear. Yeah. it's, it's going to be all over the place. Progress is going to be all over the place for both both the spiritual parent and the spiritual child. Yeah. And I think the other thing, one of the reasons I mentioned what I mentioned at the end of my sermon with um, the couple is that people think, I, you know, I'm not far enough along to, to, to spirit, story to spiritually parent. You just take stay two steps ahead, right? <laughs> and that's, and that's the thing, you know, for me, it's, we think of it, This is where the, this is where the metaphor kind of breaks down a little bit. Cause I think, well, I'm, I'm an adult when I have my, my kids, right? So I'm automatically, I know how to walk. I know how to talk. I know how to eat. They don't know how to do any of that stuff. Where spiritual parenthood is somewhat different. You can, a spiritual parent should also be spiritually being parented as well, right? They should have somebody else that's pouring into them. And so that it's, you know, it's designed in such a way that there's a there's, a, there's some gradual kind of mentoring, ment- mentee sort of relationships. And, um, I think that's some people get this this mentality. Well, that sounds really heavy. That sounds like you know ninja Christian. I'm not at the ninja Christianity level yet. I can't take on. You know, I'm not Jesus. I'm not Paul. I can't yeah, yeah. disciple other people. I you know I'm still needing discipleship, which is like well yeah yeah you ha- you dealt with that threshold really really well. You don't have to be that. Yeah, so basically what you said. You don't have to be that. You do not have to be the Apostle Paul. You don't mm-hmm. have to be Billy Graham or whoever mm-hmm. the super Christian hero that you have in mind is. You don't yeah. have to. Be that you just need to be, you need to be a disciple yourself, and you need to be far enough along that you can that you can help them. You know what is it? The anti Niles was it that says that uh, we're just one beggar helping another beggar yeah. find food. Yeah, you know we're we're there. Which, by the way, brings up and you're bringing you're, we're kind of circling around. This is one of the things that I didn't talk about, which I would love to have spent some time on was um, was um, the, the the everyone should have their own. Paul, Barnabas, mm-hmm. and Timothy, mm-hmm. and that's just a, such a great uh, mm-hmm. image of just you know you do have someone that you is, is kind of coaching you up and, sh- and and discipling you, but then you've got someone along the along you know, come alongside of you, and you're mm-hmm. kind of you know where you are is spiritually is about the same, mm-hmm. but you're just you know iron sharp, sharpening iron mm-hmm. here from the Book of Psalms is that that you're helping each other out, and then and you did a, you brought this up you talked about Timothy yeah. the Paul and Timothy relationship yeah. which is great which is great. Because especially because you get Timothy's mother, yeah, you know, on Mother's Day, yeah. you get Timothy's mother, <clears throat> the story of his mother and his grandmother, um, Lois and Eunice. That's right. 
<clears throat> but uh, but Paul was was mentoring. Yeah. So so Paul was discipling. Paul was spiritually parenting. You know, Lois and Eunice were spiritually parenting. Tim, mm-hmm. Everybody's t- spiritually parenting Timothy apparently. Yeah. Uh, but that 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 was a spiritual and intentional relationship there. So well, and that's and that to me, I love that. I loved I loved looking at, the, at both the Hannah story and the Timothy story with that because it's not that you're. You know, it's not like your biological parents have no influence, right? You're just you know finding a spiritual parent, and that's it. Which in the case of Hannah and Samuel, she had three years, and she handed them off, and we're not there's, we're not told of any other interaction. I'm sure that there was, um, but we're not told about any of that. But there was definitely some influence and, and some seed there. But really, with the Timothy story, you do have you do have his his mother and grandmother who have developed the faith, but that doesn't mean. That's where it ends. There weren't others, and that's not doesn't mean that's where it it it, it ends for Timothy. He, he needed Paul to go to that next level, and and I I I think it's so often we get into this. Well, I'm going to do the spiritual parenting for my children and nobody else, right? When when really the blessing is I can spiritually parent my children, and they can have other spiritual parents that aren't in my household. That's what the community of faith is is supposed to be. And that was a great story you told about uh, how you you felt like it was all up to you as a, as a pastor yeah. and as a as a leader of your own household that you it was all up to you to spiritually parent your own children. And there's Julie saying, "Look at them thrive over in in, in youth group." Yeah, and that's that's a good. I mean, that's a blessing to have. I mean, how if if one person is saying something great, but if Two and three and four people, because you know how it is. Your kids listen to you so much, and then <laughs> you know it's amazing. You can you can say the same thing, exact to you, same thing, the exact yeah. same thing to your kids, and then if somebody else says the exact same thing, they hear it from. You know, they said this the other day. I'm like, I've been saying, yeah, this. you know, that's brilliant. That's I wish br- I would have thought of that. That's brilliant, but it, but that's but that's why we're we're not called to be, uh, you know, people of faith in isolation. Yeah. You know, we're called to be in a community where this where this can 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 thrive and grow. If something else that you, if there was one other thing that you wanted to add to this message, what what, what would you have have brought up? Well, I think I would have spent more time on 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 the passages. I think I would have done, done more with that, and I did a little bit more, in, even in the live services. Um, but I think a, a visual has has been hovering around in my mind, like a, a mental image has been mm-hmm. hovering around my mind, and I, I didn't it didn't land. Uh, but I think it's very useful, um, and it's something that I uh, got from Christian Schwartz. I think it is out of the, the Natural Church Development um, mm-hmm. model, which is a church growth model. Mm-hmm. But it's just this one image was um, the question. The question is, what is the fruit of an orange tree? Mm-hmm. We're in Florida. I'm changing it to an orange tree. <laughs> now, what is the fruit of an orange tree? And most people will say an orange. Yeah. A fruit of an orange tree is an orange. And, and Christian Schwartz said, no. Yeah. A fruit of an orange tree is not an orange. The fruit of an orange tree is another orange tree. Yeah. I love that yeah. idea. It's the spiritual parenting idea. What's yeah. inside of an orange? It's seeds. You know, orange falls to the ground, and, and now another another orange tree grows up out of it. Mm-hmm. As as disciples, uh, the fruit of our discipleship is not, um, you know, it, it's not just us being great, you know, stronger d- disciples. That's I hope that's part of it. Mm-hmm. But the fruit of our our discipleship is another disciple is yeah. out there. Because yeah. we exist and we have been a disciple, there is another disciple out there who is who is now then ready to make another disciple. Yeah. So it would have been that image uh, p- painted and, and unpacked. Yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, I think the only thing, I, if I'd had more time, we didn't have three baptisms, I probably would have spent a little bit uh, more time on, okay, um, really practical, how do you get started with this? Like it's, it's, if, if you're like, I don't, and you said, well, if you need help, come, we'll talk to you, we'll help you. But, but I'm like, okay, where would I tell people to show up? What would I tell people to do? And, and just thinking through like, you know, Hey, um, if, if, if spiritual parenthood, or if, if that, you know, if that phrase kind of freaks people out, then just say spiritual mentorship. If, um, where do you go to kind of get plugged into that? I mean, then I would just start pointing out the, 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 the programs that we are, that we've built that are relationship driven. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and those, are you know, it's like the, you know, we had three baptism Sunday, two of those were, f- uh, fourth graders going into fifth grade. These are kids that I, spent a lot of time with this this last year because I taught the fourth and fifth graders just about every Wednesday um, and got to know them and, and got to you know when they when they wanted to be baptized it was easy to talk to them about their their individual faith because they know me and I know them and and uh, you know I know their families and and so it's just showing up and saying hey I can I can do that you know and it's nothing like I said it's not glamorous no I mean, it's just no, but I think you're right. I think I think we need. I, I think, and this is good for me to hear because I have a summer project that's going to be on building out a, a you know, building out the discipleship ministry of this church here, which would be really interesting to see how that goes. But uh, I think we we uh, we can be of help in the church to provide them the environments and mm-hmm. the tools. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe we create the conditions for them, and maybe we create maybe maybe some giving them some tools. I think about you know one parent who in our in our church who has was shown to him a tool that he which is a resource for him to use for for taking his son from you know seventh seven years old or till till uh, high school you know mm-hmm. through through high school just to help helps him you know in a in an accumulating accumulating way every year there's there's new things to do these things with your son as you, mm-hmm. you talk with your son do these activities you know th- those are the kind of tools i think that we can we can help people with when it comes to literally in your home children parenting mm-hmm. and then we have a few tools in place already for um and i think about discipleship essentials it's a tool it's not the only tool we have but that's, there's one where it's just to you know, three or four people coming together mm-hmm. and just drilling deep on what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, and then passing that on to the to to others, helping others get there as well. Yeah, person yeah. of Jesus. Um, you know, just just about anything can be can uh, be this. Yeah. Yeah, it's really just like you said, very much like the model of Jesus is just facilitating conversations and being open and willing to to walk alongside someone in their faith journey. Yeah, um, whether you are you know, a thousand steps ahead of that person or just two steps ahead of that person. Um, or, or, or just saying, Hey, we, and, and knowing that you're not gonna have to be perfect at it. You're, you are going to make mistakes. I, I make mistakes all the time with this, even with my own kids. Um, and, uh, but that's where we believe in the sovereignty of God. Just like we talked about at the beginning, it's not all on us in the preaching ministry. We know it's, it's, if it's God's hand is not in that uh, the preparation and the the preaching of the sermon it's not going to be of any value. The same thing is true with spiritual parenting relationships. If God is not involved, yep. it's not going to be of any value. So uh, that concludes this series. We've got a new series starting on Sunday called Unreasonable Joy. Yep, a uh, not quite a verse by verse. No, it's a big 
big chunks at a time through uh, the book of Philippians. Philippians, which has been called the book of joy, mm-hmm. um, but it's an, which is an ironic statement um, given the, the, circumstances. The, the circumstances of both mm-hmm. Paul and the Philippian church. Yeah, so, we're, yeah. we're, I'm not going to spoil it if you didn't don't know this, but so <laughs> you have to come to church on Sunday and hear it. John's going to be in classic. Yes. I'll be in Vine. Uh, if you missed this past week's sermon in our series, uh, Restored, um, go to our website, fpclakeland.org, to the worship page in the sermon archive tab and watch complete services as well. If you have missed any one of our episodes of Armchair Preaching, be sure to follow us, subscribe to uh, your, pod, your favorite podcasting service, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Uh, You'll get notified if you subscribe when a new episode drops. You can share it with your friends through your favorite podcasting service. Wow. Well done. Well done. I'm changing, ever, it, I'm changing it up a little bit at the yeah, end. I'm cha- yeah. changing it because it's it's a little bit repetitive for me. So I <laughs> yeah, mix to, it up, keep it interesting. Got to keep it interesting. I um, love that we're here. By the way, I'm, for those who are listening, I'm staring at the, uh, the Zach's uh, brand new um, uh, big screen uh, uh, computer right now. It's very very nice, very impressive. And I, in and in his hands through this entire podcast, he's been holding this. Uh, one of the few went to the prayer vigil for this, this my, past. Uh, this is my prayer nights for the this past year before uh, Easter. There was a there was one one rope that you could tie a knot in, and it was for something you're praying about, and then you just pray over it. And you yeah. just, as you pray over it, you you take the knot out. So and I have seven uh, I have seven knots in. You have this. knotted up there. Over I, this. I have seven knots in. You this. got a lot of things to pray about. I pray. I try to. I pray with the. I'm a very tactile person. Uh, that really, you know, one of the, and I've said this before when we when we talked about prayer. Um, if you are the kind of person like I am who get really distracted in seasons of prayer, uh, I have become a big believer in tactile yeah. uh, devices to yeah. help focus my prayers and. Uh, Prayer knots. I've that's had, a really good one, though. I've that, had, that's I've, a good one. I've had prayer beads. I've I've had those before, um, which I'm which I love. Uh, and some some people think you look weird when you have a big old thing of prayer beads, and you're like, but it helps. It really does. And uh, yeah, so this is this is part of it. That that was. I, I'm glad we're going to be doing that again yeah. uh, because I do think there was a lot of really great. Uh, it was a great moment. The prayer moment as well, but also there was also some great tools that people could use in their own prayer life in yeah. general. So it was good. Uh, John, mine is sitting right next to my my on my it's on my desk also. So yeah, it's funny we both have that. Yeah, I have one, I have a different one at home. I have a, a different one at home that I keep at home, so I don't because I'll lo- if I stick this in my pocket. Yeah, yeah, it's in the wash and I'll lose it. But John great to hang out it's great to be here and uh we'll look forward to talking again as we kick off the new series and uh for everyone at home we'll see you next time